Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions. This is episode seven. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, relationships. And in fact, relationships is such a broad topic that over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be touching on different parts of relationships, different kinds of relationships. We're going to be talking about our relationships with our family and friends. We're going to be talking about the relationship that we have with ourselves. And tonight we're going to talk about, uh, honestly, a topic I am dreading right now, uh, romantic relationships and what that looks like, how we uh, had romantic relationships in the past and where we are now with them. So first, uh, to kick us off, I I want Ben to talk a little bit about his current situation. Um, He'll dive into it a little bit more, but I know that he is currently divorced and has moved in with his new girlfriend. So Ben, uh, how's it been going? Oh, it's been going wonderful. And I am so excited for this episode because I don't know if I've ever seen you squirm this much. And I hope people, <laughs> I hope we get, the, I hope we can get this on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's, I think, I think the three of us have, a, you know, an interesting dynamic when it comes to relationships and mine started, uh, you know, I was married before I went to rehab. Uh, part of the uh, nexus for me going to rehab was my ex-wife, you know, my wife at the time, telling me that she was just flat out unhappy with with our marriage and unfortunately there was just no saving it um i i went to rehab thinking i i was going to save it and, and found out that was just not the case and it was a great lesson for me and that i had to recover for myself and not other things i had to find that out the hard way but got out of rehab went through uh iop and realized that there was no salvaging my marriage and I had to take a good hard look at what that meant because I have two daughters that are 10 and six and what was the rest of their life going to be like and and so I finally came to that place of acceptance and in you know, IOP I, I met my, my girlfriend and yes you, you know they say that decisions in the first no big decisions in the first year of recovery i you know got divorced uh moved into my parents house moved out of my parents house and started a new relationship and moved in with my girlfriend so i really probably not an example for that but you know it's it has been a very interesting situation dating somebody in recovery but at the same time it's been it it was it's kind of like it was in in when we were in rehab to be in a room full of people that understood you you know as you know people might come to understand the addict mentality is a different one and to not have to explain yourself and the weird things that we've done uh, it's it to not have that shame and guilt you know, it was, was really a comforting thing. And so, yeah, that's how the relationship formed it. And it's really blossomed into something I, I don't, I couldn't have told you at the beginning that this is what it would have become, but, but it has. And I'm, I'm really just grateful that I'm, you know, 
sober and, and, and alive today to, to be experiencing this at all. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been an interesting one, but I know, I know we're going to, going to bounce this around a little here. So let's, uh, let's hear some, uh, some of you. Yeah. I remember in, uh, rehab talking to you pretty much every day, if not every hour about how we're going to fix our, uh, marriages. It, it was, and I think I, at the point was the very pessimistic one. I was, uh, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work and, you know, she won't even talk to me. And I remember that we were allowed like two phone calls a week and I would leave those phone calls just the most anxious person ever. Um, and angry. And, and angry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a lot of, I definitely had a lot of anger. Um, I'm sure she had more anger, more fear, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny until recently, I also didn't realize that I had to do it for myself. And when I recently realized that is when my marriage started to get better. It took a very long time this this time back from rehab, as most people know, it's my second time uh, for us to just even be anywhere near the same page. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of codependency as far as the fear behind um, the lack of trust. The uh, even last night, she had a dream that I was using and woke up very upset. Drug tested me, so this is still running in her life. You know, even though I'm months and months clean right now, you know, not saying I have this on un, you know this great amount of time under me but i i've been clean for a while and she still dreams about me in active addiction so it definitely has a big toll on our marriage um we're currently uh seeing a therapist a gottman therapist which is a form of communication um uh, so i'm hoping that'll help um we're we're both trying very hard um and although it is getting better it we we definitely have our ups and downs so I am, yeah, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just want to touch on what you just said that, you know, she, she's still affected by it. I uh, dropped my daughters off the other day and my ex-wife said something. And there is still a level of, like, she does not trust the person that I am. And, and that takes a long time. You're in a different situation because she gets to see it every day and, and I'm not. And that, that's totally fine. But that trust, that, I mean, that's, for me, that's where I realized it, how real it was. It wasn't just like, you know, come home, fix everything, and we'll be all good. Like, the, that's, I, the damage was done. Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's a, a concept around how it took us so many years to get to a point where we are, yeah. uh, we, where we were in our addiction it's going to take an equal amount of time for us to get out of the woods. Walk in into a forest, walk out of a forest. Exactly. And for our family, our friends, our loved ones, our romantic partners, you know, they don't have the benefit of a program like we do most of the time. Yeah. Um, and so it, it takes them, from my perspective, uh, a lot longer to recover from the damage that we did because they are not working a program in recovery like we are. And, right. you know, for me, I, I am not currently dating anyone um, exclusively. 
I'm no longer married. I was married. I'm, I'm divorced for a little over two years now. Um, so I don't have that one person that's there by my side like you guys do and who does get to see you on a daily basis. But that gives me, you know, an advantage of I get to show up in a relationship now how I am today. I don't have to clean up any type of wreckage unless I really mess it up in the future. Um, but you know, what's it, what's it been like to try and work with your significant others as you go through your day-to-day program? Well, first I I want to applaud you. I thought you were going to try to turn this to the family episode because you were that worried about the, about the relationship episode. So, and and I was almost going to call you out on it, but you, you pivoted quickly, which was nice. Pivot. Um, And you brought up a really good point that, you know, the, the relationship that, you know, with my ex-wife, she would have seen, had to have seen a change. The relationship with my girlfriend now is that she never knew what I was like in active addiction. But the interesting thing about that is, is that, there are a lot of things, a lot of character defaults that I default default to. And I, you know, it's, it's trying to work through those things that I'm now finding. That's the hardest part is that those things didn't leave me the need to want to try to fix people, the, the need to point out your problem. And even if I'm not trying to rub it in your face, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it, but I'm just trying to let you know, like, Hey, here, look, this is what's wrong. You're, this is how you fix it. People just, you know, that be just because I'm in that position doesn't make me right and doesn't mean that they're in the position to, to to do that either. So when you come into a relationship as as you know somebody in recovery, I that's what I found the most interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't drink anymore, and I thought that was going to be the big thing. Like, oh, how am I going to be in a relationship with somebody? You know, explain to them, oh, I don't drink. Well, here's why. Well, it goes so much deeper than that. There's there are things that that I did as a person that have been ingrained in me my entire life that the work still continues to this day. So it's it's been interesting. I, I know I keep using that word, but it is. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing is uh is time. So a couple a couple items with time. So we went to rehab, we went to IOP, we go to meetings, Uh, a lot of us have therapists. So we're getting all of this help, this support, Uh, you know, we talk to our support networks. And we we've, we move forward in this process in our programs or whatever we're doing. And they're stuck back in square one in our active addiction. And like Jason said, it takes them a lot longer to catch up. My therapist today even said, you know, Chris, the I've been with you for one hour. You have to realize that she's gone through a trauma and it's going to take her time to catch up. So I think the biggest thing I'm navigating besides pastime is also current. You know, I go to meetings uh, until recently I was in IOP and that puts a big burden on our significant others. Uh, for me personally, we have two children. So pretty much three or four nights a week. She's home feeding the kids, getting them ready for bed, putting them to bed. And, you know, you talk about resentments that can build up if we don't communicate about those. So that is one thing I'm really trying to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, the amount of time that I was away 
from my partner when I was married, I remember this, you know, being a big issue. Not only was I in meetings and I was meeting with my sponsor and I was doing all the things and I was fellowshipping with people, I wasn't around him. One, because he wasn't sober. He he doesn't need to be. But two, he was also a trigger for me and would get me that much closer to a, a drink or a drug. But that really took a, a, a toll on my marriage, on my relationship, because I couldn't be around that. And, and eventually... I gave in to his requests of why are you going to so many meetings? Who is this person that's calling you at three o'clock in the morning? You know, and, and it became this, this bone of contention um, where I don't have to deal with that now, you know, um, dating and dating and recovery has been um, very interesting to say the least. Uh, I've dated people in uh, recovery and people who haven't been in recovery. And, you know, there's, there's positives and negatives to both. I think, um, you know, we, we know how crazy we are and to date another person in recovery, you're just bringing all that baggage with you. Um, but at the same time, they understand, Hey, I need to be at a meeting right now. Hey, I need to, you know, just be by myself and meditate. Hey, I need to fellowship with people. Um, and there's not that, question mark of, well, why aren't you coming home at the time that you said that you were? What, who are these people that are calling and texting you? Um, and so that's, that's something that I really see as a benefit of dating someone in the program. How do you navigate those highs and lows of, of dating both high and low and like always making sure that your recovery comes first? Cause that's something that I'd be nervous about is, Hey, I broke up with someone trigger. Yeah. Oh, we're in this state of euphoria trigger, you know, and yeah. how do you make sure that your recovery comes first? That That's an excellent question. And honestly, relationships, specifically romantic relationships were a huge trigger for me. I pour myself into romantic relationships. I wear my heart on my sleeve. So my, my peaks and valleys are extremely high or extremely low. And just like you said, when things are going well, I'm, I'm in this euphoria and I feel like I am invincible, but if I'm in this valley, I feel like the world's going to end. And what I had to do was to really, and we're going to touch on this in a later episode is, but have a relationship with myself before I could have a relationship with anyone in a romantic sense. Um, because I, I, I just couldn't give myself to someone else without giving myself to myself. And now, because I do love myself, because I did the work to get there, I don't tie my recovery to another person, which is what I used to do in the past. I used to tie my recovery, success or failure, to my husband, to my boyfriend, to my you know, whomever. And now I don't do that. And, and in fact, I'm not the type of person that says I have to put my recovery above everything else and in front of me and at the focal point of, I, I don't talk like that. What I do do is I weave recovery into every single decision I make. 
So if I have a date planned for tonight, I check in with myself and I say, can I go on this date? Maybe we're going to a restaurant that I know is going to have a bar. Maybe we're going to go out, you know, in, in a social setting. You know, I have to check myself and say, am I spiritually fit for this right now? And I have to be honest with myself because I can fake myself out real easy to be like, whoa, yeah, I really want to have this date. But if I'm not there, if I'm not sturdy, if I'm not sound and secure in my recovery in that moment, I choose to either delay it or cancel it because I'm not going to let a date screw up my recovery. Yeah. And you were able to pivot to the self-love episode too, to avoid talking about the romantic episode. I'm going to keep pulling, I'm going to keep pulling you back. Gosh, here. Ben, you just. <laughs> Way to call him out. That's amazing. <laughs> One of the things that the both of you were saying, Chris talking about being there, the, the, the stress that's put on your wife and Jason, that idea of being there for somebody in the beginning of a relationship it, it really does come back to that bit of individuality. It, it comes back to y- yourself that you have to be able to adapt to work with other people regardless of the, the, the situation. And I think that really for me is the biggest thing is that as an addict, I was really selfish. And even at not, a, you know, even, even in recovery, I'm still selfish. And, and like you said, so you got, we have to check ourselves. I have to check myself like I just did there. The, the whole thing is that you, that I need to be able to work with another human being. And I didn't do that with my ex-wife. And just because I'm not married, I'm still in a relationship. I'm in, I'm, I'm now in a, in a relationship and I have to be there to work with her. And yeah, it, one of the things in, this new relationship is that they're even though her Jason, you said it before the, the baggage that, that, you know, you have an addiction when you start dating somebody else in addiction, they have their own baggage. So, so trying to work through that as much healing as I have to do, she has to do. And, you know, it, it's, it's really been about, being open and communicating and being honest. And and one of the biggest things that I've had to do is, is admit when I'm wrong and admit quickly and not like in a shameful way, like, Oh, fine. You're right. You got me in a, you know, and, and I think for me, when, when I was in addiction, I knew when I was saying something was wrong, I, you know, I had an idea of that. What, I would never check my motive in addiction. So I would say something to, to hurt or to, to manipulate and, even though I'm not trying to do that now, those behaviors are still in me. So when those things happen, I have to check myself immediately and and apologize. And it's it's amazing that th- how much those things mean, those little tiny things. And and yeah, it, it's you know we're we're going out for seven months, so there's not a ton of healing that needs to happen between her and I. But healing and addiction go hand in hand. And you know, to Chris is as the last man standing of the, the married trio, what, what does that healing look like for you? Yeah, I can't speak directly for her, but um, 
one thing that's really helped us is through the last few years, she's learned to separate the disease from the actual person. So said it yesterday. I, you know, the person she she was like, we were talking about trust and manipulation and all this stuff. And she ended with when you're using. And that was really key in knowing that when I'm using, those are behaviors. When I'm not using, I am I am present, I am trustworthy. Um, I do have character defaults, as Ben says, you know. Um, and like you, we are trying to build trust. Trust is the probably longest item to heal as far as you need to prove through your actions. I mean, I could say sorry. I can say I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but it's going to take time. Um, you know, and, and for us, I think we just both have to be patient and set our realistic expectations. And that's kind of what we have. We're not trying to rush things. Uh, and that's really helping because previously we always tried to rush to the end point. We always tried to say, all right, we're going to fix, fix, fix. And we are being fluid right now. So it's not perfect, um, but it's getting better. And we are there for each other. We support each other. We do love each other, but it's going to take time. And, you know, like Jason was talking about, we walk a mile into the forest. You got to walk a mile out. So I'm, ex I'm trying each day to remind myself that I need to be patient as it took six, seven years to get to this point. You know, I'm not saying it might, it's going to take six, seven years to get out, but it could. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. And, and, you know, you were talking about um, walking the talk. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, a, a partner or now my ex-husband used to say to me, actions speak louder than words. Because this alcoholic and addict loves to talk. And I can talk my way into and out of any situation. But when I had to put my feet on the ground and actually show up, I wasn't able to. I always used alcohol and drugs to hide and mask and retreat from situations. Um, that's why, honestly, this this uh, episode is so, um, so hard for me because I am uncomfortable. You know, I, I feel as though romantic relationships is um, one of the areas in my life that I have the least amount of control over and the biggest lack of power in and and it's been been really really um hard to manage uh at the same time really freeing because i remember talking to my therapist about this i was i was serial dating for lack of a better term uh when i got out of rehab and you know i got to a point in my recovery that i was uh able to start having romantic relationships with people. And, and, you know, I was going on dates with about five, six people and nothing was really getting serious until, um, it started to with, with someone. And I remember telling my therapist, I was like, I don't understand how to do this. I'm, I, I like this one person because he has this and, you know, everything that I'm looking for, but I don't know how to let the other people down. And, and she looked at me and she said, wow, that's fantastic. You are making 
decisions for a healthy relationship. You're you're being more um, uh, particular. You're you're taking those actions because previously, what I would do is I would get into a relationship, and if it was successful, it was successful until it wasn't, or if it wasn't, I would stick with it and sabotage it from the inside until the other person left me. And you know now. I am able to stick up for myself and and run my own program, even if I am dating someone in the program. And and that's actually a question that I have for you, Ben, is what's that like for you dating someone who's trying to run their own program and, you know, you and your swim lane, her and hers, not trying to bump into each other? What's that like for you? That is a great question. I'm going to respond to it in one second our producer matrix put in the, the chat when you guys were talking about walk into the forest and walk out. Yes. <laughs> you run out of the forest. And, you know, for me, I ran into that forest. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's going to take being dragged out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, I, we're, we're crawling out. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the middle of the park. I have no idea where I am. And, you know, um, by the way, he's typing that while he's downing some vegetable pizza. <laughs> Let's spin that. Um, Jason, when you were talking, I wrote down lack of control and, you know, that's what it is when you're, it's not any different in terms of, I can only control what I can, I can't control. I couldn't control what my ex-wife was going to do when I got out of rehab. Chris can't control what his wife is going to do. I can't control what my girlfriend's going to do. And that goes to that's throughout her program. It is something I've learned that, you know, and, and then when I've, you know, been in uh, meetings or, you know, it's been, you, I've seen couples and you hear about people meeting and, you know, getting married and all this stuff. And one thing I noticed is that they don't really do a lot of meetings together. And that's because your recovery just has to stay separate. It just has to. And it's not because like it has, if, if, if it did work together, that'd be great. Like if you both like the same meetings, that'd be terrific. But we just don't like the same type of meetings. I enjoy a 7.15 every you know, daily meeting. That's, that's not her particular flavor and that's fine. And, and, you know, but, but in terms of staying in, you know, our particular lanes, it, it's that lack of control. And I have to just be okay with that, whatever that looks like, however long she speaks with anybody in her network, how often she attends a meeting, all of these things, I can't control any part of it. The, but what I can do is I can support her. And that's where I've found that I've had to walk this fine line as somebody in recovery and as somebody in a relationship who's supporting a significant other, they, you know, and, and the, the, somebody as a significant supporting your significant other shouldn't matter if they're in recovery. That's the thing that led me to being, you know, once divorced, I did not support my significant other. It's that, that for me is, is the main flaw in my, one of the main flaws of my character, my self-centeredness. So just being able to experience that every day, it, it helps. And, and I don't know if it makes sense that it helps, but 
being forced to give up that 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 attempt to control has been a really freeing experience because I just can't do it for her. I can't recover for you guys. I, I, I it's just that's not the way this works. So it's been it was definitely challenging for sure. But it, like I found in recovery, every challenge has been a learning lesson. Yeah, I, I agree. That's probably the hardest thing that I have is, you, you know, you talk about support. Well, my wife would, she always asks, she's like, I want your support by just listening. And I, I'm like you, I mean, and, and Jason, you know, we used to, or I used to, but I know you guys have talked about it, want to fix everything. You know, like you said, Ben, you point out, okay, well, this is wrong. And these are your three options are, you know, this is the streamlined uh, direction to the endpoint, And I think you should do this. And sometimes people just want to be heard and validated. And I have a really hard time. You know, I'm an engineer, so I deal with numbers. So I'm very analytical. And that gets in the way of my relationship a lot. And, you know, you talk about uh, control and when I got home, I wanted to fix everything. And you're right. I had, I could not control how my wife reacted, how my family reacted, um, how the people around me reacted and accepting that was once I accepted that it was very freeing and it helped me in my recovery process. You know, one thing that keeps echoing in my head is something that I hear in the rooms of recovery is that when I'm out there and I am active in my addiction, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a spouse. I don't have a partner. I take a hostage. And that imagery is so accurate for what I used to do to people. And, you know, there's one individual that I can think of right off the top of my head um, that I just dragged through my addiction. And we just recently got reconnected and, and it's cordial. But what I did was just try and try and try and try and try to be with this person. And they kept telling me, you're not well enough to be with me. And that was so offensive. That was so offensive because I had the job, I had the money, I had the car, I had the family, I had the stuff, but I didn't have sobriety. And that is the differentiator in my life today. If I don't know the person you're speaking about, but if it was the individual around the time you were in rehab, I remember I remember going through this with you and it, it re reminded me of, of going through my own relationship issues with you and with you, Chris, the, when, when I received a, like Christian, oh, yeah. the phone calls, oh, I remember the, this. The, the worst, you know, it was, it, you know, I, I went and, and Jason, I cried on your bed. I sat there and cried on your bed before we went out to the smoke hut. Like, that you know it was it was it's amazing and that's not something that i've thought about a lot in, you know in, the, in these last couple of weeks and months but it really does make me appreciate our relationship and where the three of us have come from and 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 being there 
for each other then and now, you know, that was, I mean, those, those phone calls were, oh, I mean, those, the, when you talk about trying to make it a day at a time, I didn't know how I was going to yeah. make it through at 10, 10, from 10 o'clock to 1050, you know, before the next smoke break, you know, waiting for, you know, one of the RCs to get through a lecture like that, that, that was, that was awful. I feel like you kind of deep down miss those smoke cuts. <laughs> like you do bring them not, up a lot. <laughs> not, not deep down, not deep down. It's right on the surface. It's funny because I think I was literally the only person that didn't smoke. Yeah, you came rehab. out there like two or three times, and you were like, "I can't do this." Yeah, I, I would just go out there and stand like ten feet away and like be like, "I want to be part of this." I have FOMA. <laughs> oh, and Matrix, Matrix, you weren't out there either, were you? Oh yeah, Matrix was quitting at that time. Yep, at that time. <laughs> but uh, you know, Ben, just just for point of clarification, no, it was actually a different person. But um, I, I do remember, I do remember that really well. And what you just sparked up for me is how good I am at giving other people relationship advice without actually taking it myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing to see you talk about issues in relationships because I've like been leaning on you so hard, and like I still remember what, what, you know that particular phone call, and we we sat down and you were just like, "Is anybody dead? Did did anybody do anything that's going to cost a million dollars?" And you know, no, no, okay. And at the time, I was like, "What is this guy talking about?" Like, and it's just it, like I have you never been through it before. I didn't understand the whole premise of like, we can't fix this right now. And it's, this is going to be a bad analogy. I wish I could go back to high school. I wish I could go back to high school and knowing all the things that I knew that I know now, because I would, I would kill it in high school. Oh, absolutely. Isn't that a Rod yeah. Stewart song? It might be. Yeah. <laughs> but if I went back to rehab now, I, I would know all the things that I'm supposed to know. But the whole point is that I'm not supposed but to go it, back to rehab. The fact that you, right. you know, the fact that Jason has such good advice, even though, you know, you say that that one aspect or that actual aspect of your life isn't at the top of your, hey, I have this under control. That just speaks so loudly to talking about your issues and recovery. I mean, we could build things up in our head so easily and spin out of control and just ruminate on them and, you know, think over and over and we could be all over the place and then we say it out loud and three people will be like, well, it, this is pretty simple. Like, like right. you said, did anyone die? Uh, you know, is, is your house burned down? Do you, can you eat tonight? And it just puts everything into perspective very fast. So it, it's just crazy when you talk about things with people, how clear the answer is. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, even though, um, there's no hard and fast rule about this. The idea of not getting into or making any big decisions is probably sound advice. One that I kind of took and I kind of didn't because I was still very willful. But like Ben said, if I could go back knowing what I know now, <laughs> man, my life would look a lot different, but that's, that's growth. Like you were saying, Ben. Yeah. It was, it's interesting. That's one of the things you hear in recovery. Do not no big decisions in the first year. Don't get into a relationship in the, in the first year. <laughs> when I spoke to my sponsor about it, he was very frank about it and said, look, I'm not a guy that's going to tell you on day 364, 
that you can't do something in day 366, you can. It's a paraphrase. But the, the premise was that, in, and, and, he, and one of the other things that he's done is that, you know, he's made sure that I've not shielded myself from alcohol because he's very big on life is going to happen. You have to check your motives. And that was really the key for me is I once I kind of spoke to him and said, OK, I have to check my motives here. And I made sure that she understood where I was in my recovery uh, that and then for me, I was I was going to move forward in the relationship at the same time, the you know, my recovery was could not be compromised. And that still holds true to, to this day, you know, but it's. Yeah, the, I think as a as a just a blanket rule, those things do. I see why they make sense now. They, they make sense because there is so much to navigate and it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And so by adding a relationship on top of it, the, like you said, whether it's whether it's in a person in relation in recovery or not, you know, they, they will have, you know, baggage. We've dated normal people. They had baggage like that's. Bag, you know, when taking on somebody else's thing is is a it's 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 a lot to ask. And I found in my recovery, there was a whole mess of crap of my own that I had to go through. So, you know, it, it's it's also something that I'm glad that I that I did it. And I'm and I don't there's no part of me that regrets it or, you know, I would not do it any differently because it wasn't supposed to happen any differently for me. This was exactly what was supposed to happen. And. And, and, and I'm good with that. So it's, it's been, uh, I'm not going to say interesting again, but I just, said it's, <laughs> it's been a journey. It's a been bit. an interesting journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think we could go on for the rest of the evening talking about relationships, um, specifically the romantic ones that we've had or haven't had in our lives. Not if you had your way. Yeah, not if we had. In fact, <laughs> that's it for us tonight, boys. <laughs> My favorite part of the evening has come. Um, thank you so much for being so open, honest, and vulnerable tonight. Me um, too. I'm, I was talking to myself, Ben. And um, <laughs> I... <laughs> But uh, no, seriously, thank you so much. And, um, you know, for for the individuals that you are with now, they are very lucky people. Um, I'm very lucky to have you all in my life. So um, as always, uh, tonight's episode is dedicated for the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.